That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday. To give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here we are. We are back for another episode of Same Old Song. I'm uh, your co-host, Jacob Smith, and as always with me, my uh, friend and uh, ever-faithful expositor, Aaron Zimmerman. How are you, Aaron? More tan. Our listeners can't hear it, but you and I are both coming back from vacations, uh, reunited, and it feels so good. Um, I'm browner than last time and more rested uh, and just Mm. glad to be here with you. Um, You were in Mexico and New York. I was in Michigan Mm -hmm. and uh, farther uh, south in Texas, and we're just in a great place mentally, physically, spiritually. So I think this this is probably going to be one of the best podcasts we've ever done, Jake. Wouldn't you agree? It'll definitely. I would. It's going to be filled with a lot of glory, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm coming back with a lot of sun. And as you said, from Mexico. So I have a tapeworm as well, uh, which is wonderful and uh, great at helping lose weight. Amazing um, weight loss. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if only we could get the just FDA kidding. to approve it, we'd be millionaires. <laughs> no, but I think everybody needs to go to Mexico City. Um, it is just an incredible place. The city place of my to- conception. Mm, and to be what's TMI, TMI. but anyway, uh, to, we'll edit that out. <laughs> to uh, but to you know, one of the interesting things was is to go to Teotihuacan and stand at the top of the Temple of the Sun, which they actually believe maybe now might be the Temple of Water. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. that's where they were cutting out a whole heck of a lot of hearts 500 years ago. And I was like, this is real religion right here. All we want is your heart. And so, um, literally, but it's good to be back and. Uh, it's good to be at a place and, and be reminded of a religion where we don't have to give our hearts to Jesus. He comes along and takes them and makes them something lovable. Amen. Well, that's a good uh, uh, launch segue from uh, vacation chatter to uh, the Bible. So we, we begin. Uh, these are the readings that will be for uh, uh, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, August 18th. Um, mm. Wherever you live, it's probably hot. Uh, kids are getting ready to go back to school. Uh, things are getting in the swing of things. You're you're braving Target for back to school shopping, uh, the demolition derby where very few people make it out alive. Uh, <laughs> stress is coming back in your life. So here we are, August 18th um, of the readings. We've got Isaiah 5. Uh, we've got Hebrews 11 and uh, Luke chapter 12. So just starting off with Isaiah, we begin with a very white love song. You know, we got to get our voices yeah. low. <laughs> Let me sing for my beloved and my love song concerning his vineyard. Yeah. So the lights are low, the fire is crackling, the bearskin rug is there. We're expecting a love song about this beloved who planted a vineyard. It's going to be like Walk in the Clouds, the worst Keanu Reeves movie no. ever made. Mm-hmm. But then, and then it quickly turns to it quickly turns to Slayer. The bass, and so, 
Yeah. So, I mean, what you have going on here is Isaiah chapter 5, as a, a lot of scholars believe, would have probably been read at the Feast of the Tabernacle. And uh, and Isaiah does come, and uh, speaking uh, as, as a prophet, I mean, he really gets everybody to look at the flowers in his right hand. Um, and it talks about, let me tell you about the beloved, and I, you know, uh, had a vineyard, and I dug, and I cleared stones, I planted choice vines, I used the best fertilizer, all of this. And then he poses a question, and here's where it turns to Slayer. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, it just, and then boom, it hits you with a like left hook. Yep. Really hard. What am I going to do? I'm going to get a bulldozer. I'm going to get uh, Agent Orange. I'm going to like napalm that. Mm. I'm just going to like destroy it, remove, the, just trample it. I'm going to put a parking mm. lot. This is Joni Mitchell. You're going to uh, totally uh, pull down paradise and put up a parking lot and make it a waste, yeah. he says. That's right. And he takes and he plays off these words at the very end for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Um, And the people of Judah are his pleasant plantings. And he expected justice, but saw bloodshed. Justice and bloodshed, those two words in Hebrew rhyme and righteousness, but heard a cry. Those two words, righteousness and and, uh, distress, another word for, uh, but heard distress, those two words rhyme. And so this is a poem that's playing off that is really illustrating what uh, God has done and then what God expected. But the interesting thing is, is here, I, I think, is for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. And this is the important thing is that to remember when you're preaching this, and we were talking about where is the gospel, and it just kind of hit me right now, is that God is still the God of Israel. Mm. God is still the God of Judah. You know, God is the God of wayward people because that's the only type of people there are. And, uh, And so despite the fact that he has this vineyard that has produced crappy grapes. I mean, wild grapes are sour. If you eat too many of them, they will make you really, really sick. And, uh, but it is still his vineyard. Yeah. And, uh, and that is the thing, if you're going to preach on this passage, to hammer home. No matter what you've done, where you're at, God still says, I am your God. Yeah, and let me give a word to, to preachers out there. It would be a temptation in preaching this passage to say that, um, you know, God is, is threatening judgment because, because there's no justice, there's no righteousness in the land. And so the meaning of this passage is to, is to get right and do justice. So it becomes an application of that. But let me tell you what, folks, Christian communities, non-Christian communities, people for centuries have been trying to create a perfect vineyard. And they said, well, the old ways we did it, the larger society, the larger church, whatever is corrupt, and we need to separate from it. And we will we will find a fertile hill and we will build a vineyard and we'll put a hedge around it and we'll, uh, we'll take care of it. And finally, we will produce a vineyard that has good grapes. And um, you see this in every sort of church split that happens. You see this in, uh, in the 19th century in the United States. There were all these utopian communities that got started. Some were Christians, some were not. Jake and I went to seminary right next to the the one of these, the uh, harmonists in uh, Western Pennsylvania, mm. and it's a it's a museum now because the whole thing failed, and all these utopian communities, mm. none of them exist because they all thought they were going anymore. They thought they would create a community that would be perfect, and it's not 
there anymore. Um, and uh, so the the whole point of this passage is not now we're going to do it. Now we're going to get justice and righteousness right. 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 The whole idea of this passage is to prepare the hearer for what Jesus will ultimately say. I am the vine. You were the branches. It's not your job to go out there and make a vineyard and make it perfect. Mm. I am the vine. That's you're right. the branches. Uh, give up the business of planting vineyards. Come to me and just be rooted in me. That's amen. That is perfect. And, you know, and really that is what uh, the point of the epistle reading is, is if you remember, you know, you have all of these things, the prophets speaking of, uh, you know, how God longs for mercy and justice in the land. And, you know, and um, uh, the one prophet, um, uh, I think is Malachi, he boils it down to love justice and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And then uh, Habakkuk boils it down to the just shall live by faith. And, uh, you know, and this is what Hebrews is all about, is that ultimately uh, the just do live by faith. And uh, because in this line here, um, there are a lot of folks that if we were just to go by what they do, you would be like, wait, this is the just. But but really, it is faith. That, faith is the only thing that pleases God. And so and uh, you have this very powerful, powerful passage once again building on last week's reading on the importance of faith. Yeah, and and these are not people, there's some people that are better than others in this list in Hebrews 11. Uh, Samuel's kind of all right, and um, <laughs> kind, kind of, of uh, but you know, he wants, his kids were total jerks. He, he could have picked and, anybody. Uh, uh, yeah. His kid, he was not a great dad apparently. Cause the kids, they got burned <laughs> up by fire, but, mm-hmm. um, we, uh, we think here your parishioners might hear this list of people and like, Oh, like Gideon, he was the one with the fleece, but he was, the reason it was a fleece is cause he didn't really trust. He was full of doubt and skepticism <laughs> yeah. and was like, unsure of the Lord. It was like, what if I do this? Um, you got uh-huh. Samson in there who like, yes, he's famous for being strong and long hair and Fabio and all that. But, you know, he was a womanizer. He lied. He lied to his own parents. He ate food that was unclean. He like broke kosher. He was eating bacon cheeseburgers all the time. And, uh, he just, you know, he lay in with Philistines, lay in with Philistines, uh, spring break all the time for Samson down there in Cabo San Philistine. That's the title for the show, Laying with Philistines. <laughs> we got it. So uh, no offense to any current Philistines out there today. Um, so yeah, you got, and you know, with Rahab, mentioning Rahab, he actually specifically gives her the title Rahab the prostitute. He doesn't, he doesn't sort of mm-hmm. like sweep that under the rug. It wasn't like by faith, Rahab, that obscure Old Testament character that we won't talk about what she did as her day job. No, Rahab the prostitute. She uh, and the point of all these things is that they did this by faith. They did these things. God used these people not because they were perfect, not because they taught Sunday school, not because they, you know, had all the merit badges, uh, but because they just had faith. They trusted in someone other than themselves, uh, and they didn't even have perfect understanding uh, of that. These none of these people. A righteousness was that was not their own. That's and, right. Uh, you know that is a. I mean, you know. Go back to the Rahab story just for a moment. You know, here you have this prostitute living in the secure walls of Jericho, and you have these, like, kind of this nomadic people that is moving into the land and the spies break in. And, uh, you know, all everything around her should have said, uh, turn these fools in. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? We're in the secure walls behind Jericho, you know, in the city of you Jericho. Behind the most something. secure walls in 
Yeah, absolutely. And instead, no, she clings to that red red uh, string that they give her, which in Hebrew translates almost into a bloodline. And uh, there, you know, she clings to something that makes no sense. And this is the point that the author of Hebrews is writing here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a.k.a. these people who heard a word about a savior and believed it, you know what I mean? Despite themselves, then, then in the midst of our own struggles and tribulations, we have the fullest revelation of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we can press on towards the prize and we can cling on to that despite all the crap that's going on. We have the full revelation, which is Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Yep disregarding the shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the point. Brothers, sisters, you have um, the fullest revelation of God. Yeah. And and I think it's there's a tendency here also with the last two verses of this passage, although they're the first two verses of chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and, it's imp- and, and, and the sin that clings so closely— and many Christians hear this as like, okay, the author here is telling us I got to stop sinning Do and it, be yeah, a good Christian yeah. now. I got to be sold out for the Lord. It's important to remember a couple things. One, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, i.e. total sinners <laughs> yeah. who never got their act together and yet trusted in the Lord. Uh, no. So that's the cloud of witnesses we got. I mean, Samson is in your great cloud of witnesses. I mean, that guy was a fool. Uh, and yet he's uh, part Eyeless bald guy. Yes. That's- <laughs> yes. So uh, who, you know, kills 3,000 Philistines in the great murder-suicide where he pulls the whole temple down on everybody. So um, it's, it's, this is the cloud of witnesses to remember. Um, and when the author here says, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that clings so closely— we tend to hear it because of our American history and Puritans and all that. Is we mm. tend to hear that as a very small list of sins, um, carnal sins. Mm. We're probably thinking about, oh, I eat too much, I, I think about sex too much, or uh, I don't know. But we tend to not think about, I think, what this passage wants us to think about when it says sin that clings so closely, and it's largely the sin of trusting in oneself and not trusting entirely in Jesus, putting your whole trust in his grace and love, as the uh, Book of Common Prayer says when we baptize somebody. So um, Mm. the sin that clings so closely for many of us is to think that we are in charge, is to trust our own efforts, is to think that we have to get it done and to believe that our ego is is the boss. And uh, and instead, what, what it means to lay aside every weight in the sin that clings so closely is to lay aside the worship of ourselves and our trust in ourselves and just trust Christ instead. That's what that mm. means. Um, so, yeah. so don't read and this if, in a moralistic his, way, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and if his promise is valid in the lives of these sinners, yeah. most certainly his promise is valid in your life as well. And um, that's good news. Yeah, let us run with perseverance the race. That does not mean have a perfect track record of quiet times, journaling, and uh, and uh, accountability groups. It might mean those things, but what, what it really means is verse 2. He tells you what it means. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer yeah. and perfecter of our faith. He has started it, and he is the perfecter of it. Look to him. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at how you're doing. Don't look down at your feet. Am I staying in the lane? 
Are, are my shoes tied? Am I wearing the right things to be running this race? Look to Jesus, because he's both the pioneer, the one who starts it, and the perfecter, the one who finishes it. And then if you don't know what yeah. that means, he goes on to say, he did it through the cross. And he has Amen. done it. He's taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Why is he sitting down? Because it's done. There's nothing else for him to do. Mm. So, so it's just important that you don't hear this as law. It's an invitation to trust Christ and not yourself. It's an invitation to the gospel, not more moralistic, legalistic attempts to make God happy with your performance. Praise God for that. And then so then we come to our gospel reading, which is uh, kind of like you're like, excuse me, uh, which Jesus is this? And, uh, you know, Jesus opens up. And this is really this is a very, very heavy duty thing that Jesus begins with. I came to bring a flamethrower and I wish it was already <laughs> turned on. Yeah. Uh, that is so amazing. It's intense. Do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? No. Wait, I thought you did. That's Isn't that what the angels sang? Yeah, so, did, did you what's, what's going on here? And, and teach us all to sing? <laughs> yeah. oh, he, he's, uh, he's, so, he's saying but, um, uh, two things, I think. Uh, one is he's acknowledging the reality that his message is so controversial and so unacceptable to a lot of people. This message of forgiveness this message of grace, this message that your own performance and righteousness is not doesn't amount to a hill of beans, that God is getting out of the whole religion game, that message is so offensive to so many people that it will cause division, and not just on a wide level, but in your very own family. And if anybody has ever tried to have a religious conversation with a family member who disagrees, uh, you know exactly what what he's talking about. So there's just an acknowledgement of that reality that his his message is not palatable to a lot of people. The prodigal son story is something that people hate. So uh, that's one thing. What else? We, you were saying another mm. thing that he's talking about here too, Jake. Yeah, well, you know, I think this is uh, very, you know, when you're preaching this, it's important to set this like kind of in, the, in this context. And uh, this is apocalyptic language yep. that Jesus is using here, you know? And uh, the idea of I came to bring fire upon the earth and how I wish I have a baptism with which to be baptized and what stress I am under until it is completed. This language, this isn't random. This is thrusting you to the cross. And uh, this is the point. And um, do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? You know, well, uh, the truth is, is that, you know, on one level, if Jesus is the embodiment of all of humanity, then here he is to face uh, on our behalf, all of the judgment of God and uh, to take that on. And, and really what you see here is like what you said, this, this word does bring division because it says that nothing you do justifies you. And, um, and what is being articulated and conveyed here is what we call the theology of the cross, aka Jesus does not come to bring peace on our terms. Mm. And this is the thing is that we're always, you know, I've, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again on the show. Um, if I hear one more person talking about ushering in the kingdom of God, uh, Jesus <laughs> does not need your help. What he needs us to do is witness to the work that he has already accomplished to bring in the kingdom of God, for he is the kingdom of God. And so, you know, and this is the point. When you see the clouds rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain or the scorching, the wind blowing, you know, there's going to be scorching heat, you know, and we see these signs as well, you know, in our weather patterns and we know exactly what they are, but we miss 
what the sign, the ultimate sign, the sign of Jonah is all about. And that is to bring peace on earth and to create a new family, one that lives by grace and is nourished by his body and blood and brought in through water baptism. Mm. So it's a new family that he's talking about, a new a new world, a new humanity that now doesn't live by the flesh, but lives by the spirit. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to note for your folks too, that fire always is judgment in the scripture. It's refining fire. It's what falls in Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, so when he talks about, I came to bring fire on the earth, it sounds a little bit like John the Baptist. You know, John, it is John, John the Baptist, said man. he was going to burn it down and uh, separate mm. the wheat from the chaff and all that. Um, and the good from the bad. But but the the twist here is that Jesus directly connects his statement about fire to then baptism. So you got fire, fire and rain, James Taylor. You got fire and water here. And um, and when he talks about the baptism with which he's going to be baptized, he's talking about the cross. So he's explaining mm. to us when he says fire, when he says baptism, he means the cross. And so John the Baptist said Jesus was going to come and bring judgment on y'all, on everybody who's not got their act together. What Jesus is saying is, yeah, I'm bringing judgment, but I'm going to allow it to fall on me. I'm going to take it for you. And so, and this message is offensive. People to this day don't like it. People in the church mm. don't like to talk about the atonement. People, um, mm. yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying they know somebody who is an, kind of agnostic slash atheist, and he likes everything about the good work that the church is doing in the world. Uh, he likes a lot of the things Jesus says until he gets to the part about grace and forgiveness and mercy, because this person doesn't want to see it. Uh, that there's, you know, people need to get what they deserve essentially. And that's, um, that's mm. what our culture values. And so um, that's Jesus is coming to bring fire and judgment, but it's going to fall on himself and people are not going to like that. But for those who have ears to hear, it is um, great news. Great news. It's the it's the spring of living water that uh, <laughs> leads to eternal life. Can I tell you a funny story? One time I was. Oh, at, looks um, like we're out of time. Thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see I you was, again. No, go ahead, go ahead, Chick. Yeah. You don't have to ask for my permission so, to tell a funny story. You just take so, the mic. <laughs> So anyway, we were, um, and this, you can use this as an illustration and throw yourself in on it. Thanks, Jake. Um, but, uh, so, um, I was, uh, at this, like one time at this kind of retreat and it was, you know, very campy and an illustration of how terrible a lot of modern contemporary Christian worship songs are. Mm. And so anyway, but the chorus was fire fall down on us, fire fall down on us, fire ah! fall down on us. And anyway, I'm looking around and everybody has their eyes closed and their hands up and they're waving them around. And I just like leaned over to the person next to me and I was like, do you realize that is bad news? <laughs> like, you know, whenever fire falls down on people, it is not a good thing. Um, uh, the um, And so uh, it just was really funny. So uh, anyway, that's all. They should, yeah. Um, they, praise God. They should have said fire fall down on us like on Pentecost when it didn't burn anybody up because of the atonement <laughs> and blood of Jesus. And maybe that's what they were talking about, catchy. but there was it's nothing in there. It's less catchy if you clarify yeah. it theologically and scripturally, though. <laughs> Fire fall down on us. Yeah, you know, that is true. Like, people people all the time quote the Bible without knowing what they're talking about. So, but not you, mm. dear listener, because you are listening to the same old song I've been podcast. listening to the same old song. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. For and uh, we hope you'll listen to us next week. Yep. Until then, eat more dairy. Somebody's
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.